It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk and welcome to season four. Today is Monday, the 23rd of May. And as always, I am joined by my good friend, Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee. Hello, Mr. Parks. Hey, Paul, a few weeks off and we're back up and running again and excited for the next uh, series or session of Knox Talk. Season four. Well, buddy, you know what? We are heading to the postseason uh, in baseball and softball and if the season ended today, which I know we have, you know, conference tournaments and one more weekend series, and we got a midweek against uh, um, somebody coming up. But it, if it ended today, FSU would be the 16th seed, would be hosting, and we'd probably be matched up with whoever would be the number one seed, which is the least mysterious answer in all of college baseball right now. Can you say Super Regionals? Would that would that one seed have a certain shade of orange that maybe PMS one five one? You might be onto something. Uh, you want any part of us in that super regional, baby? Hey, bring it on. Um, <laughs> we we've not we've not backed down all season. Um, you sure, even with wooden bats? It, it, we we did try a novelty game in the middle of the season at a. Uh, uh, at a ballpark that's not our own, and things did not work out that well that evening. But um, I tell you what, what, what Tony Vitello and our baseball team has been able to accomplish this year, I'll tell you it's been nothing short of historic around here. Um, tons of excitement, games sold out, weekday games sold out. Um, and you know what the big fear is, though, is now that you're approaching tournament time, postseason play, is that you have this historic record and then you have a matchup like a Florida State and and you 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 go up against a flamethrower for a weekend or you stub your toe and then that historic season uh, essentially um, goes to bed and you never made it to Omaha. That's the big fear around here. That's the big discussion here right now. I hope the fear is real. Um, what we're going to talk about today at, uh, in Knox Talk is service, my man. We're going to talk about service. You and I I think the first time we spent a lot of time together was a little after um, I did a service talk maybe 20 years ago, uh, and we talked about service back then. We're going to talk about it now. I think one of the challenges in the service department for sports organizations, not just college, but pro everywhere, is turnover. And I think the problem is, is that it's the most common entry point in the industry, right? That it, You're either going to come in in tickets or you're going to come in in service. Those are the two places that all these crap tons of college graduates across the country. That's where they start. And I don't think there's any shortage of young people that are graduating with a degree and wanting the gig. The problem is, is the shortage of young people that get the gig and then do the gig and understand the hours, the commitment, right? the actual, they have to work. And they do that for a little while. I mean, a little while, six months or a year, and they punt. And that may not be the case of Tennessee, Brandon. It may, you guys may have been really lucky, and everyone you hire is just a superstar. But across the country, it's brutal. I mean, brutal. No, it's. I think it's a challenge everywhere. Um, and and we we've, we've had some terrific partner services coordinators that have come through this this office here. But we've also had some challenges as well. Um, and I think you hit you hit on a, a lot of key points around 
who we're hiring for those positions. Uh, hey, let's be honest. What do those positions pay versus the amount of time, energy um, that that you're asked to perform? Because it we work in a non-traditional space. And so if you're trying to gain your entry into sports, I think a lot of people have those lofty expectations of the glitz and the glamour of it. And there are plenty of those things, but what you don't see in an interview is arriving at your football stadium eight hours before kickoff in the dark to set up the fan fest area because you got a noon kickoff. And I think it takes the right kind of individual in the hiring process that, that has that passion, that desire for this industry um and unfortunately um those individuals are hard to find and so what you do see is is a fair amount of turnover um and uh i think it's it's certainly something that that we have to address as an industry and as college sports uh, on a go forward basis i think professional teams had a uh, maybe a 10 or 15 year head start on on this exact title um and and i think at this point with a lot of those professional organizations um, I think they're probably paying them more, uh, to be honest. And then uh, you also have to remember in, in the sports, in the professional venue, if you work for an NFL team, you're only talking about the fall time period. Right. If you work for an NBA team, you, you have those set months throughout the year that you're activating on behalf of the NBA team. But in college sports, you know, at Tennessee in particular, here we are in mid-May, and we're still activating. We essentially are going to go through June, hopefully with regional and super regional in baseball. So you're talking about a 10 month calendar year. Uh, and then we're essentially going to give the team off a, a month and a half. And then we're going to be right back into football. So you can see how this, the time demand is significant in this. And it's not your traditional business hours. Uh, and to me, therein lies a lot of the challenges. You're 100% right. You talk about hours. I mean, I get, you know, I, I think everyone who gets into sports understands they got to work 50 to 80 hours, right? We get that. I think where, where kids don't necessarily get it is that that doesn't mean football is great. Maybe football game day, you feel atmosphere, you feel electric. You can go those 10 hours, 12 hours, 15 hours on a football game day. Where we grind them is a softball game on a Tuesday, is a baseball game on a Thursday night is a volleyball you're you're handling volleyball this kid you know you got all 11 games from volleyball and i you know and so that's what but you know what that's part of it and you're 100 percent right about the pro model i want to talk about that for a second because i i railed against this whole thing way years and years ago that i didn't want, want to go to the pro model which is basically having young people be your front porch uh, that's who is, you know, answering the call and trying to execute. We'll talk about that a little more in a second, but you're right about the pro model having a 15 year head start. And it's two things that you nailed. Number one is pay. There's no question they pay more. Number two is hours. Okay. Maybe three things, but those two things combined is working somehow because just in the pro deals that we do across the country, you're now seeing people that are eight years, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years in the same role. You know, right. where they're, they're doing it for a long time and they love it. And I guess it all justifies itself, right? Because if they are your front porch, they ought to be good. <laughs> and in the college oh, they model, yeah. they're not. They're, they're neither. They're not, they're not well paid. They're not happy. And they're not good. Yeah, and a, a couple follow-up points on that. And, and I will tell you the time period from, from when someone gets hired until you start to see this transitional mindset change where the novelty of working in sports has, has, has waned is really, we see it like in three to four years. And here's another challenge to it. 
if you're hired in as a partner services coordinator and you ultimately don't want to be directly involved on the revenue generation side of the business, what is the roadmap for you within college sports? Because I don't think we've defined one. That's a great point. If you're, so if you're, you should, you should be allowed to go like level up, right? Then you're a senior, whatever that is. And then you're in charge of service for a school and that should be level up, level up. And the pay keeps you there. And, and then that would be the right answer. Right. But that doesn't even seem to be the model in most MMRs all over the country. Is that correct? No, I, I would agree. Uh, I think we're graduating to have managers of partner services um, and we're getting somewhat better at that. But there is such a focus on the revenue generation side of the business that, that a lot of let's call it operations side. Uh, essentially executing the agreements that we go out and sell, creating the content around our schools. The pressure is so significant on the revenue side, the operational side of the business really gets lost. And, and what happens is, is before long, you have, you have employees that are doing a lot of those operational things that are so young in their career, they're not tenured. You don't have someone that's established. Um, and then that goes back to the point that you brought up earlier, in a lot of instances, and I know in the pro sports, this is how it works in a lot of ways is, is you'll have an account executive that will go out and secure a sponsorship. And really once that contract is signed, then they are then turned over to this activation team with a point person who has as much, if not more or exclusively all the communication with the client on a go forward basis. Right, um, and, and you I, don't even talk to that rep again, they're gone. You know, maybe I'm old school in this regard. I have a huge fear of a client saying, the only time I ever see you is when you're coming in to renew me or you're asking me to re-up my deal. And I don't ever want to be seen in that light. Now, at the Vol Network, uh, we still try to remain engaged. So our, our account executives will will continue to be involved with, with our partner services coordinator team. And while all of the communication we hope is led by the PSC staff, uh, the client is still seeing us engaged, still still seeing us on game day. We're still involved. And I believe you got to have a balance of that uh, so you don't run up against that whole discussion of the only time I see you is when you want to sell me something. And that, that's the smartest way to go. And I know you you do that, Brandon. That's why you're, you're one of the best at what you do in the whole country. But that is a little bit unique and it's and it's bothersome because I, you know, I, I don't know if I said this earlier, we have a deal with the Big Ten. Um, one contract in particular I can think of where we've been with them for seven years, this particular school, I have had seven service coordinators. Wow. One every year. And, and you know, the, what I end up doing and what we end up doing as a company at Knox Sports is we end up protecting our client from that, you know, because as you said, it takes three years to be able to be proactive. And so our job becomes to do everything. And then we're just asking that person for specs. That's the end of our involvement. But I want to go to a different topic because I think service is about you and about the client. And I want to talk a little bit about in-person because it, it, is, uh, it is an interesting dynamic. We're coming out of COVID. We're able to go see people again. But from an in-person perspective, I know how I feel about servicing our accounts. I feel very strongly that I have to be with them, not on a Zoom not on a phone call. I have to be with them, which is not always easy because our clients are around the country. Uh, and so I feel like at least once a year, and we try to do it, you know, two to three times a year, that if we're talking about nothing, it's okay. But just being with right. them for an hour, an hour and a half, carving out time to be there. You probably have, I would guess, two thirds or three quarters of your accounts that are in town. So that's possible and probably easy. 
you probably have another quarter. So I want to talk about those folks that are maybe not in town. What is your effort and what do you feel like is, is the right answer with regards to in-person and how do you agree with me that that's, that that's a must? Oh, it's, it's imperative. Um, it is. And I think people in general would say this, it is really hard to build relationships, meaningful relationships over the video screen. It is, it is damn near impossible in a lot of ways. Um, take the in-person touch points very seriously. And there are obviously a number of engagements that will occur on campus. And I think we try to do a good job of inviting clients out to games to sit in the suite or, or participate in a partner appreciation event. So we do a number of things on campus where, where we invite folks out. Now, we have, a, we have a fair amount of business that comes out of the Nashville, Middle Tennessee market. Well, we're not obviously based there. We're over in East Tennessee. And I will tell you, I make it a point, our staff makes it a point that we get over to that market three to four to five times a year. And so I at least want to, I at least want a client in Middle Tennessee to know that I will at least come visit them at their office and spend meaningful time with them at least once a year. Most of the time it's, it's two or three times. And I just think it speaks volumes when you're willing to get off of your campus and go to see the client in their space, in their office, and continue that relationship building. Um, I agree with you, and you know, because you're right. I mean, you guys have a little different dynamic than we do. As, a, as an agency, I'm, I can't invite them here for a game, right? <laughs> so, right? So I can meet them at a game, which is fun, but even that engagement is fun, but it's not going, you're not going to dig a lot, right? You're sitting there watching a the ball game, you're going to talk about the ball game, you're going to talk about all these other things. It's a lot of surface stuff. You're not going to talk about your relationship. You really don't want to that day, even if it's an entitlement game, you're not going to dig. So yeah. you do have an advantage that you can look them in the eye. You can have a five minute or a 10 minute, whatever. But even on game day, that's not going to give you all the things you want to do. You know, it's just it's different that way. Right. Yeah. And you, and you bring up a very good point. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is something that I've tried to get better at over my career. I had a really bad problem early on when I would invite a client out to the game. I don't want to say I would smother them, but I would want to be engaged with them probably too much. Right. And, and you realize and I guess I learned later in my career. Um, somebody's sitting in our skybox to watch Tennessee take on Florida and football, let them enjoy the game, yeah. you know, talk to them at half, talk to them at halftime. You know, we don't have to smother them. They're there to take in the pageantry. They're there to take in the reason that they bought your property in the first place. Right. So let them have that moment. But then if I can get out of town or to their office and spend some meaningful time there and, and have lunch or a dinner or what have you, then that's where you can really dig in on a lot of details and, and what makes the relationship, what makes it go, what makes it successful. We talk about ROI now more than we ever have. Right. And, and that helps you learn more about them and how you can be more effective in, in our role as marketers on their behalf. And plus, they're so much more comfortable. You know, I mean, it, it, they're, when they're in your backyard, it's one thing, you know, they're, but yes, you get them in their office and you can just see everything about them is more comfortable. They're going to talk more. They're going to be, they appreciate that you're there, all those things. And it's, I mean, even if you could take them to lunch in their town, it's a different dynamic than well, having, like, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just better. Okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to go down another rabbit hole. And it's something that we talk to our young people about all the time. We as a society have become so much more text and email driven. The art of a phone call is a, is a lost art form. Yeah, you're it, right. It seems like it just does not exist. And uh, we we talk about it intently in our office about, do you always have to set up a meeting by sending an email? Why can't you call someone, check in on them, see how they're doing, 
and have a real live personal interaction with them. Um, and that's a whole other rabbit hole to go down to. No, you're uh, right. Well, but I mean, it, because you can actually use tone. You can use tone right. when you're on the phone and in an email tone is implied and it's awful. And in a text tone is implied and you're going to get it wrong 80% of the time. So you're right, Brandon. That's right. I want to talk about, we talked about this in a, in a previous, uh, a previous podcast and I'm not going to, I don't want to dive into it. I just want to have, make one kind of point on this. We're talking about recaps for a second. Recaps that used to be, as we talked about, they used to be kind of the staple uh, of the service industry. They were the, the trigger to a renewal uh, they were the annual mess, and I know that we've gone away from them, and the MMRs have stopped printing paper and sent digital recaps, and they think that that's enough. I want to talk about not that so much is what I think should happen from a service department that is not right now, and that is a recap that is diving specifically onto the client goal, which I guarantee you is not in the contract. Most people don't set up contracts that say that are goal-specific. Hey, if you wanted to move 100,000 cases of craft beer, this is how many we moved. That's not the recap. It's not going to be in a contract. Okay. So let's talk about a practical application there. You know, we have clients, a lot of our clients are data capture driven. We want to have our client with this particular school. Uh, I'm going to go we'll be specific. We have a client in Indiana that did a deal with the University of Indiana and Purdue. With Indiana, we had a goal this year throughout the course of the year with all of our promotional efforts to have 15,000 brand new spanky names for the client. We achieved that goal, barely, but we got there. We did it, a success. I think the recap should be to lead with the success of the objective of the client, and then every piece of inventory that supported that objective, if we bonus it, fine, but we show how we got to the objective instead of just the old school recap, which is just a bunch of garbage that says how much more we did for you than was contracted. You have any thoughts on that, Brandon? I could not agree anymore. Um, Two thoughts. And, and I will tell you, I will go back all the way back to the presentation form before they ever became a client. One of the things we try to do is identify at the very beginning of a presentation, what are the true goals and objectives that you as a company have for this partnership? Let's define some things that we can come back in a recap and say, these were the ROI driven goals behind doing this partnership. And we so much as an industry get heavily involved in recaps that say, I contracted 12 30-second spots in the fall. I delivered 14, so you got two bonus. Well, that doesn't answer an ROI question. That's great, and it needs to be part of that conversation. But you've got to, you've got to go back and tap into the goals that you established for the relationship in the very beginning to be able to prove it was worth the investment. Right, because everyone does that. Everyone has the first page. It said goals and objectives, and then they just kind of brush by it and say, how do we do based on the fact that we gave you inventory? Right. No, go back to if there's not a finite goal, you did it wrong. <laughs> right. And I, I will tell you, we have started spending much more time talking about the goals and objectives page than we have talking about our shiny toys that we all represent. Yeah. I'm much more interested in learning why this retailer wants to be involved with the University of Tennessee and and defining increased store traffic, incremental retail sales, sign up to a loyalty program, the things that matter to them, the things that they have to go back to their bosses and identify as achievable goals of why they should make these investments in college sports. If because we have a roadmap, we can get to the finish line. Without a roadmap, we can't get there. And so all the inventory in the world is useless if that roadmap wasn't achieved. Absolutely. And we, we had a great example here. We signed up a new sporting goods retailer. 
their their biggest goal outside of building brand awareness and creating a distinct association with our school, their biggest goal was to sign people up for their loyalty program. They knew for every person that they signed up, it was worth X amount of dollars in annual sales to their company. And it would be viewed as incremental because if you're not in the loyalty program to begin with, it's new dollars flowing in when you do sign up. So then that makes the, the recap could almost be one page. We signed up 5,000 5, people times it's worth 200. And I'm just giving you an example to it worth $250 in sales. Do the multiplication on it. They generated this much in revenue. They spent this much on the partnership. Boom. That paid for itself. Why, and then everything else is gravy on top of that. That's right. And that, that's the way it should be done. But I wish it was done more. And we're going we're gonna to push work for our clients because it really, we, we have, at Knox Sports, everything we're doing is objective-based because that's how we sell ourselves. Listen, measure this deal. Figure out a way you want to measure it. Look at it that way. And it's not, again, it's never going to be in a contract, but it damn well should be in the recap. I want to go on to something else, Brandon. I, you know, I, I just, I, I wrote this note. We, I knew we were talking about service today. I got a postcard this week. I got a postcard. I got a postcard from a school that we did not do a deal with to let me know he was thinking about us. A handwritten postcard. I'm thinking- Another, another he, lost art. Form. Another lost art. How about that? We talk about a phone call. How about a handwritten note? Are you kidding me? Hey, I, I would tell you really good account executives and relationship people keep a stack of those note cards on their desk and they set goals each week to write X number of handwritten notes to clients, prospective clients, et cetera, to do just that. Hey, just, just thought about you. Wanted to let you know how much we appreciate what you do for us. You know, you would, you would not believe what that touch point means and can do. What I've learned is the most successful people that I know that have risen to the highest ranks of their companies they're the ones that continue to write handwritten notes. So if they can make time to do that, then then I, as someone that's striving to get where they ultimately are, I can make time to do that too. You're 100% right, Brandon. I, I have I, I probably need to do a better job of that. I do have those notes. I'm probably the only one in my office that has those silly things in my desk, but I do send them out. A lot of, a lot of them is thank you driven, um, but I probably need to do a better job of just doing random. So you're right. I, I can do better there too. But I appreciate your Christmas card every year. It's very nice of you and your staff. <laughs> Here to I do hope we you can. enjoy ours as well uh, we, we do we love it the, 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 it's just really orange um I, you know i sound i know it sounds trite it's kind of my last point here in terms of service and i think it's it's more acutely problematic at the college level than it is the pro level for all the reasons we've already kind of gone through but the proactive nature of service is another problem and people that are in your position are naturally going to think of how I can help a client. But again, they're not the front door. And what has to happen until maybe, as you say, a, a, a new partner services coordinator or whatever the other MMRs are referring to their service people at, until those per people are two years, three years in, and they actually have the wherewithal to not be behind, but to think ahead and think, hey, this client wants loyalty program signups, this program wants data, this people want impressions. They can't get there where they're still trying to write out. They don't understand a spec, right? So that nature of being proactive and then taking, okay, I need, not only do I need to be proactive and thinking about it, but I need to be creative and think how I can get there, which is ultimately what we love in a service coordinator. And it never happens, right? It just seems like by the time we get them there, they've gone on to something bigger and better. How do we get the college world 
to integrate our service situation being proactive with our account executive that is hopefully thinking that way, but maybe they're young and been moving on as well. How, I mean, how do you do it in Tennessee? I mean, I know you're so involved, Brandon. You are by yourself. You think creatively. You're always thinking proactively and creatively and trying to set the table for your clients. I, it's not a weakness for Tennessee, but it certainly is at Knox Sports. And maybe we wouldn't have jobs if it wasn't, because that's our whole world is trying to think creatively and trying to do our job or do their job for them. And I'm not talking about, I'm not trying to brag on us. I'm just saying it's a freaking problem is to be creative and to think yeah. this is how we can solve a problem. Because to me, that's what service is. It isn't just, hey, we did your stuff. Yeah. A lot, lots of times we define service as getting by with the bare minimum of what the contract says. Yeah. And it really needs to be, a, a, it, it needs to be complete, completely flipped. Um, here, it's always been about leadership. And I can tell you, generations of leadership there you go back three or four general managers that started this process of conceptual selling and the thought process behind if we can be a solutions provider to our clients then every, all the tools in our toolbox will do the job yeah we'll, we'll accomplish those things but it is a mindset and, and i will tell you it becomes more and more challenging because as you know the drive for revenue is real at every single one of these properties whether you're in a guaranteed rights fee model or you're in a revenue share model we can't sign up enough partners you know we we are always looking for the next one and then you run into capacity issues right uh, staff's not growing but the client roster's growing and how are we going to continue to give this incredible service to each client as we grow the base right and that's hard that's it really is hard, hard. Um, but I think you have to have leadership at the property level that instills that kind of vision down through the organization. And then really, I'll tell you, the mid layers, the account executives at the property have a real responsibility to help build and professionally develop the partner services coordinators. So that becomes their mentality as well. So that while they're working hand, hand you know, side by side with you, they're seeing all these things that you're doing. They're seeing all these touch points. They're seeing you be a solutions provider. They're seeing you write radio spots when you don't have to. They're seeing you talk about television production ideas because you know ultimately the best thing I can do for a client is for them to view me almost as an in-house ad agency working on their behalf. That's right. And, 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 those, and those service people, whether it's you or them, should not be afraid of a new idea that could take someone forward. Right. And, and I'll say this, and I learned early on in my career, you may think about why do I have to conceptually come up with two or three ideas that may be completely off the wall and the client doesn't view them as important at all. But our current general manager has a saying, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you can come in versus all the other sales reps and all the other media opportunities that are out there, and you can come in and truly care about their business and come up with solutions and ideas, it differentiates you from everybody else. Because so many people go in and all they're worrying about is selling their inventory. Right. They're not right. focused at all on the client. Well, you're right, buddy. And, and you do it very well. So you're, uh, you are the choir. Uh, so you don't have to preach at all. Uh, you got this. But it is, it is a problem across the country. We, we see it acutely every day. You're probably, whether you want to say it on the air or not, probably struggling with partner service coordinators in and out and be, and getting them, making them mature enough to be great. Um, it, it's, it's just a hard problem. And, and it's not going to get solved until probably the two things you opened up with. We got to pay them more and we have to teach them the expectation of what they're going to go into 
early uh, and maybe take the dream out of it. You know, maybe take the dream out and say, hey, you're working in sports. I get it. But this is what it is. It's 80 hours. It's five sports, four of which you don't care about. But at the end of the day, you're going to love it because you're going to get into this job. You're going to earn money. And there is maybe that is it's in the college world. Maybe it's just given a vision for what you can be money, personal growth, all those things. If we can share that vision with those young people, maybe they'll buy in for us because right now it is bad. It is bad. But that's all the time we got now, Bubba. So thank you uh, to all of our listeners for downloading us. Uh, season three quadrupled our listenership. So let's do that again in season four. If you have heard about us, please tell us to your friends. Uh, rate us with the maximum stars on your platform. Uh, tell everyone you know to listen. In two weeks, we'll have another edition. So on behalf of Brandon Parks, my name is Paul Sickman with Knox Sports. Thank you for listening to Knox Talk.